by the Holy Spirit, everything that needs to be said, even now, the Holy Spirit will move upon every person that's going to be listening or watching this, and the Holy Spirit will help us to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus, and just really get locked into what God is saying to the Word of the Lord, not being distracted, but I thank you, Lord, by the Spirit, helping our minds to just be focused on the Word, what you're saying. Our hearts will be open to receive the Word of God. And as you speak through me, Lord, the word will be as living seeds of truth that are sown in the good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. And Lord, I thank you for this going forth under a mighty anointing, that the winds of the Spirit will carry it out everywhere it needs to go. It will get every place it needs to be and accomplish everything it needs to accomplish. And Lord, we know the birds of the air try to steal the seed, so Lord, we submit this unto you. We resist, but we bind up anything in Jesus' name that would try to hinder, distract, resist, oppress this word in any way. We bind you in Jesus' name. Back off right now. And Lord, I thank you for your mighty angels just clearing away any hindrance. And we stand on the promise. The word of God will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So Lord, we thank you for that. We expect it. Everything accomplished in and through this time in the word together that your will to be done in every life all over the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so we're going to look at the last couple chapters of Revelation. And kind of closing this out, God willing, I would like to do a couple more sermons um, that will be in line with end-time prophecy and will help to kind of dovetail. Just make sure all the music and everything's off. It sounds like something might be still going back there. But Second Peter 3.10 is where we left off last time. And it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. How many knows that when the Lord comes, it's going to be a suddenly, it's going to be out of nowhere. And the Bible says this, it's very interesting. It says the heavens will disappear with a roar. Now we know that there's um, the second heaven is like the atmosphere. And the third heaven is where God dwells right now that those will disappear with a roar and the elements of the earth. Because right now, let me try to explain it the best I can. Right now, our bodies, our physical bodies as we know it, come from the dust of the earth, and these bodies are connected to this earth. You're not going to leave this earth with this body. Does that make sense? If you die, your spirit and soul go to heaven, but your physical body goes back into the dirt where God took it out of. So your, your physical body as we know it is connected to this current earth. But the elements of heaven, I mean the elements of the earth rather, the elements here are going to be destroyed by fire. Now this is not a natural fire like those wildfires in California that, that char everything and it's black. This is not what this is. This will be a spiritual fire from God that will purge all the natural elements as we know it. Why? Because as we're going to read today in Revelation, the earth itself is going to be changed basically into heaven, and God himself is going to come down in the new Jerusalem and dwell on the earth. And see, at that time, we're not going to have the type of body that we know right now, we're going to have a glorified body. So here's how it works. This body as we know it now, this physical natural body is connected to this natural earth. 
But God is going to purge this earth and make it heaven on earth. And he's going to give us glorified bodies. And our glorified bodies will be connected to heaven on earth. You see. So that's what's coming. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. God's going to purge it. So let's read Revelation chapter 21. And this is going to be the last little bit of this book. So then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everybody say a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. So God's going to make everything new. Remember, Jesus said in the last chapters we read, Behold, I make all things new. Okay? There's going to be a new heaven, and there is going to be a new earth. It's not going to be like it is now. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Isn't that interesting? There's not going to be like an ocean or a sea. There'll still be water. There's going to be a river flowing from the throne, but there's not going to be a big, huge body of water like an ocean or a sea anymore. I don't know why. So when we see the Lord, we can ask him, why did you do away with the sea? You know, and he'll explain it. And then verse 2, and I saw the holy city. Now look at this, new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or any crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. So this is after the millennial reign of Christ. So we know from Scripture that Moses was given what was in heaven. So we know that there is a heavenly tabernacle right now. And it's on some type of mount of God in heaven. There's some kind of an ascending that you go up and there is a tabernacle in heaven. And in this tabernacle, we get glimpses of it here in the book of Revelation. There is a menorah. There is some kind of an altar of incense. And in the, what will be the Holy of Holies, that's where God's throne is. And around his throne are those cherubim, the four living creatures. So what Moses was, was being revealed to him is actually existing in heaven right now. And so God told Moses, make sure that you replicate everything like you were shown. And Moses was faithful. So he, using you know, the people that God anointed to do it, but they created the tabernacle of Moses, and God put his glory in that tabernacle. And it was even seen as a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. So God began to, to put his presence back. Do you see God's heart here to, to dwell among his people? God told Moses, build me a tabernacle that I might dwell among my people. So God's heart, even when he created Adam and Eve, was to walk with them in the cool of the day, his heart to be with his people. So then we know that that was the ministry time of the law. But in the fullness of time, Jesus came, and in John, it says he came and dwelled among us. But in the Greek, it means this, that Christ came and tabernacled among us. Isn't that interesting? And then when Jesus ascended, he said, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. And who is it that's here tabernacling in our midst, the Holy Spirit? 
And the Holy Spirit has made us as, as imperfect as we are, fallen creatures with a sin nature. The Holy Spirit has allowed himself to live inside of true Christians born of God and that we are living, walking tabernacles of the Holy Spirit right now. And the Holy Spirit tabernacling in us and with us is preparing us to meet the Lord. And it's preparing things so that when Jesus Christ actually comes, he's going to come, I believe, in connection to the Feast of Tabernacles, but he's going to come and tabernacle on the earth for a thousand years. Are you seeing the tabernacling here? I'm trying to show you. Don't let anything distract you tonight. But God, Jesus is going to come and he's going to tabernacle. So right now, the Holy Spirit is tabernacled among us, but it's preparing for Jesus to come and tabernacle from Jerusalem in the earth for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, the earth will be purged with fire, and God himself, God the Father, is going to come down in the new Jerusalem, and he's going to tabernacle on the earth forever. And it's over at that time. That's where we're at here. All the final sifting is done, Everybody on the earth at that time are God's people, and everybody has glorified bodies. So behold, the heavens that were have been purged. They've been cleared with a roar. The earth that was is purged with heavenly fire and has become heaven on earth. And God has come down on the earth with a new Jerusalem, a heavenly city, that's going to settle on top of the old Jerusalem. And God the Father is going to tabernacle on the earth forever. So let's continue to read. In verse 5 it says, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means like the A and the Z. The beginning and the end. I will give water to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cost. The one who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, that means the filthy like the defiled there, the murderers, the sexually immoral, and the sorcerers, and that's anybody in the occult, all idolaters, all those in false religions, worshiping false gods, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So remember, at the end of the thousand years, the people had come up against Jesus, and fire came down and fried them, and now we're at the end of the thousand years, and it's the great white throne judgment. In the great white throne judgment, all of the dead are resurrected and given bodies, and they're going to stand before the great white throne, and the books are going to be opened. Their names are not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Other books are looked at that, that talk about their life and their wicked deeds, and they're going to be judged, and they're going to be thrown with their bodies into the lake of fire because all of hell as it is, torture chambers, pits of fire, whatever's down there, all of that, is going to be done away with, it's all going to just become one big lake of fire. And everybody that's among the wicked are going to be given their bodies back and thrown into the lake of fire with their bodies. And that includes every fallen angel, every demon, 
and Satan himself, they're all going to be in that lake of fire. And that's the end. I mean, it's over. There's not going to be any more redemption for those people. They're in the lake of fire from now on. And so that's done. And then God comes down. That The earth is purged. He's tabernacling among us. So everybody on the earth are his people with glorified bodies, okay? And it says that the one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues, remember that, the bowl judgments, the last three and a half years of the tribulation time, one of those angels came and spoke with me saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And here's the new Jerusalem. In verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very valuable stone, like a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall, 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And names were written on these gates, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. And these were the three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod and measured the city, its gates and walls. And the city is laid out as a square, okay? And its length and its width, he measured the city with a rod, 12,000 stadia in length, width, height, or equal. And he measured the wall. So this city is going to be 1,500 miles wide. So that is from where we live to California. From Texas to California, 1,500 miles. It's going to be that wide and that wide this way. Okay, it's a big giant square. And it said that um, he measured the wall, 144 cubits by human measurements, which is also angelic measurements. And the material of the wall is jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, Chalcedony, however you say it, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth uh, sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysophase, however you say it, the eleventh is jonctanth, and the twelfth is the amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. Now imagine that, how big that pearl is. What type of oyster did God have incubating up there to... But anyway, there's going to be a single pearl. in <laughs> The street of the city was pure gold. See, you hear about people singing and preaching about streets of gold. Here it is, like transparent glass. But here's where it changes a little bit. See, in heaven right now, there is a, a temple, a tabernacle. But he saw here that there was no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God has illuminated it. And its lamp is the Lamb. So what many people believe, and I, I feel this way too, this is just an opinion, but it said it's equal in width and height. So it's going to be 1,500 miles high. So this is the way that people feel that it is, and I think so. A lot of Bible scholars feel I do too. 
is that in heaven right now, there's the mount of God. So there's some kind of an ascending mount going up. And God's on the top there, and there's a, there's a tabernacle there. And that's where his throne is. So Satan fell from heaven. He was, he was accustomed to that. That's what, you know. And so Satan, when he hit the earth, what does he begin to do? He begins to inspire all these similar things on the earth. You notice the pyramids. You notice these ziggurats that are down in like uh, Central and South America. And it's, it's some kind of a perversion. Like Satan, what he saw in heaven, he was trying to create down here in a perverted way to get the worship to him. He's always done that. And so I suspect when God comes down in this new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem will be 1,500 miles wide as far as the base of it will be square. But as it goes up 1,500 miles, it's actually going to, to shrink as it goes up. So kind of like a pyramid of types. And God's going to be at the top of that, and it'll be like a stairway up to him. And from that place, God will shine over. And there won't be a need for the sun because the glory will illuminate everything, you see. And I suspect that's how it will be. Now, it says, and its lamp is the lamb. Now, 24, the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, no one who practices abominations or lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So see, this is only going to be the righteous, the true people of God that will be able to even come into this city. All right, so let me just kind of explain something real quick. There is some kind of like an anti-Semitic type spirit that's pretty strong in certain groups of the church. And it's, it's really a shame. And they're going to they're gonna be in store for a huge surprise when Jesus comes as the Jewish king to Jerusalem. <laughs> and things are going to really shock them about how it's actually going to be. But anti-Semitism has no place in the church world. It's demonic, and it's very evil. And let me just give you some things that the, those type of people that I'm talking about will have a problem with. But Ezekiel 40 through 48, whenever you look at the millennial reign of Christ on the earth, he's reigning out of Jerusalem on the throne of David from the temple, okay? This is the temple that the Antichrist tried to sit in Jesus' seat and declare himself to be God. So he was dethroned and thrown alive in the lake of fire. Now Jesus is in his proper seat, reigning over the world out of that temple, the throne of David, okay? But it says, and you can read this for yourself and study it in Ezekiel 40 through 48, the Bible talks about how the nations, how people are going to bring offerings to the temple. So this type of offerings is still going to be going on. Obviously, there's not going to be a sin offering because Jesus has fulfilled that. But there are going to be offerings that are brought there. It says it in the Bible. That's the way it's going to be. I suspect it's for food for those that work in the temple area and also just as a worship to Jesus. You just bring your offerings 
to him because you love him and you want to bring the best of your flocks and herds. You want to bring your, your food there, whatever, your, your money. You just, you want to come and give glory to Jesus. So that's going to be going on. Also, look at this. When Jesus, I'm sorry, when God gave the law to Moses in Leviticus chapter 23, I believe, I may be wrong, but I think that's where it's at. But God said this. He said, these are, look at this, these are my feasts. He didn't say Israel's. He said they're mine. And God said they will be observed throughout all generations. They're never going to end. I'm just telling you. So these feasts of the Lord, not Israel, of the Lord, he said these are mine, and they will be observed throughout all generations. From now on. So after Jesus physically comes to the earth and he's here in the millennial reign, the sheep and goat nations, when he comes, he's going to slaughter the armies. Remember, he's going to come in, he's going to begin to reign, but he's going to separate the sheep and goat nations for people that didn't know this. There are goat nations that have mistreated Christians and mistreated Israel. And he's going to throw them into hell. The Bible says that. But the sheep nations, he's going to allow them to survive during his reign, and they're going to repopulate the earth. But look at what Zechariah gives us a glimpse of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. He's physically on the earth in Jerusalem, on the throne of David. And then it says here in Zechariah 14, 16, then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that come against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king the Lord of armies, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths, that's tabernacles. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of armies, there will be no rain on them. That's interesting. And if the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them, and it will be a plague which the Lord strikes the nations that do not go up to celebrate this, the Feast of Booths. That's tabernacles in the fall. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. So see, these feasts are going to continue on during the millennial reign of Christ and on into eternity. Let me show you. Isaiah 66, 19. Now remember, we're talking about the new heavens and the new earth. I tell you what, you ought to read Isaiah after reading Revelation. Isaiah was an amazing man of God. He really was. That, that man was given amazing revelation. He was the one that saw that the scriptures that we quote so much, he was wounded, he was bruised for our iniquity and pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed. He saw all this. He was the one that Jesus quoted from. Whenever he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And Jesus said, this scripture from Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing right now. This, look at this. Isaiah 66, 19, it says, for I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming to gather all the nations and tongues. They shall come and see my glory. Now, this is when the Father has come on the earth, or it could be when Jesus, the millennial reign too. But look at this, I will put a sign among them and send survivors from them to the nations. He mentions Tarshish, Put, uh, Lud, and Meshach, Tubal, Javan, and the distant coastlands, etc., etc. He said, they've heard of my fame, they, nor seen my glory, and they will declare my glory among the nations. 
Then they shall bring all their countrymen from all the nations, look at this, as a grain offering to the Lord. So they're going to bring their offerings to the Lord from among all the nations. And it says this, on horses and chariots and litters and mules, camels, to my holy mountain in Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering and a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, I will also take some of them to be priests and Levites. So see, we're in a priesthood in the order of Melchizedek, which is both Jew and Gentile. And the Lord says here, I will take among the nations some that will serve me in my temple as priests and Levites. Wow. And he says, the nations will bring their offerings unto me in Jerusalem. The nations, not just Israel, the Gentile nations will make a journey to Jerusalem, to God's holy mountain, to bring their offerings unto the Lord. Look at this in verse 22. For, look, isn't this amazing? This is Isaiah, okay, way before John got the revelation. For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your descendants and your name endure. And it shall be, look at this, from new moon to new moon. That's Rosh Kodesh. So every turn of the Hebrew month is called Rosh Kodesh, the head of the month, and it's celebrated. This goes way back. And it says, and from Sabbath to Sabbath. It says, all of mankind, not just those in Jerusalem, all of the nations, all of mankind, will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they will go out and look at the corpses of the people who have rebelled against me, for their worm will not die and their fire will not be extinguished, and they will be in abhorrence to all mankind. Somehow, there's going to be a way that we can go and look down and see that lake of fire. It's going to be a witness to the earth of all those that hated God and rejected the gospel. But isn't it something that the prophet Isaiah saw that there would come a time when there would be a new heaven and a new earth and that God would be here and that the whole world would come to Jerusalem to worship him and bring their offerings and bow before him. Isn't that awesome? And so these scriptures will be fulfilled. Jesus said there won't be one jot or tittle that will not be fulfilled out of the word of the Lord, okay? All right, Revelation 22, and this is the final chapter in the book of Revelation. And it says, and he showed me a river of water of life. You know, let me just say this for you guys. I had prayed about naming this church a long time ago, and... Um, River of Life would not have been something that I would have even thought of on my own. I'm just telling you. And God spoke to me to name it River of Life. And if there's ever been an appropriate name, people have come in and told me that they get hit by the power, under the power of God, they have felt like waves of God's presence. I've heard that so many times. There's a river flowing here. But let me tell you, look at this. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, Verse 2, in the middle of its street, on the other side of the river, was a tree of life, bearing 12, 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Now, picture this for a moment. You've got this river flowing from the throne of God, okay? So picture the throne up there, 
and trickling down from the throne. You got this river flowing. And on each side, you've got these trees. Now, we know that an apple tree just produces apples. But this tree is going to produce 12 different kinds of fruit on the same tree. That's interesting. And it's going to yield it every month. So there's not going to be like, you know, it bears fruit in the spring and then it dies off in the winter. It's going to bear fruit every month. And it says this, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So during Jesus' reign, people can go, if there's some kind of an ailment, something they're doing, but people can actually go there and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And it says there will no longer be any curse. See, when man fell and they ate, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, there was a curse that came over the whole earth because Adam had dominion over the whole earth. So everything under his dominion, that curse came on him, but it affected the whole earth. And when, Je when this is all over, Jesus has come now as the last Adam. It says there will no longer be a curse. That means the scriptures that you read about, like the wolf will lay down with the lamb. It says the lion will eat straw. So instead of the lion attacking, he's going to just eat straw like a cow. And, all the, and it says children will play with cobras and they won't be deadly at all. The curse is gone. And now the earth has become again like it was intended to be, like the Garden of Eden and like heaven, okay? And it says, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him, and they will see his face, and his name will be upon their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor of the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and he will reign forever and ever. And it says, and he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of the book. In verse 8, he says, I, John, this, now remember, John wrote this. I, we covered this way back. This is the Apostle John, okay? He got this revelation. Remember, he was in prison. He was on Isle of Patmos, and it would have been a very difficult thing. But being from Jewish lineage, you know, he would have really set aside the Sabbath as a day to pray if he could. And it says on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath, God appeared to John. Jesus did. And he was given this revelation of what was to come. And he said this. He said, I, John, I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down and worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And the angel said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brother prophets. And those who keep the words of this book worship God. And so here's the final message from John. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. See, the angel could have told John, hey, look, seal this up, keep it a secret for now, but he didn't. He said, you openly give this out and get this out there because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who's filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous practice righteousness. And the one who is holy keep himself holy. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to reward each one as his works deserve. 
I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. How many knows that the Lord's coming for a bride without spot or blemish? We better allow the Lord to purify us. That's why I was talking about the power of prayer and fasting. You don't hear about it a lot in America, but here, look at America. Look at the church in America. You see what I'm saying? There's certain things you don't hear a lot about, and then you see the result of it. If there was more prayer and fasting and deep repentance, you would see a lot more purity, and you would see a lot more revival in this nation. Am I not telling the truth? We need to get back to some of the ABCs of Christianity and quit focusing so much on just, you know, how can I live a happy life now? And it's all selfish, and it's self-indulgent, and it's just about the here and now. What happened about living with eternity in mind? You know, what's going to matter 500 years from now? We need to be thinking outside of our life here and thinking about eternal things. He says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates outside of the dogs and the sorcerers. And where were they? In the lake of fire. A dog was a reference to uh, the heathen pagan Gentiles. He said, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. That's the second time God really came down on lying. It's in the Ten Commandments. I've known some people, they're some of the biggest liars you could ever imagine. It's time that we repent of our wicked ways because God's not playing about this stuff. And so he says, everyone who practices lying, all those people are going to be outside in that lake of fire. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. And this is what I was singing tonight. The spirit and the bride say, come. How many are ready to see the Lord? You you see, the spirit and the true bride say, come. Let me just tell you kind of a little mystery here. I think there's something to this. You know, there's a reference in in the Bible to the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. I think that there's a distinction there. And the reason I say that is because your physical earthly body is connected to the earth. And everybody that's considered the greater body of Christ, it's like there's something earthly there. But the bride of Christ are those that have really washed their garments and are on fire for God. And they're really close to him. They're living in prayer. They're walking with him. They're wise virgins with extra oil. They're ready to meet the Lord. They're more heavenly in their walk, you see. I want to be more heavenly in my walk than earthly. You can get too caught up with this world. But the spirit and the bride say, come. And the one, let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take from the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. In other words, don't manipulate this book. He says, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, or grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Isn't that something? John wrote that on the Isle of Patmos, getting divine revelation through angels, given this awesome book of revelation. And the angel said, don't seal it up. 
write it out and send it to the churches. Get it out there for the time is short. And this is how I want to close this thing out. You know, God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees, ancient Sumer area right in the Middle East. And Abraham actually was among a people that were idolaters. I mean, his family would have been idolaters. But the one true God had really appeared to him and spoke to him and told him to leave that area, get away from your father's house, get away from all the stuff that's there, and go to a city I'm showing you. But this is, a, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible about Abraham. And it says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he left not knowing where he was going. How many knows sometimes... You remember my wife just kind of had a, a dream. She felt this from the Lord. Sometimes we're going and we're just going with God, but we don't really see everything in front of us per se. We kind of just see the steps in, in front of us, but we don't see the big picture. But we go out by faith just being led by the Spirit where God's sending us. Abraham just had to go by faith. He wasn't sure where he was going. In verse 9, by faith he lived as a stranger in the land of promise. So let me say this too. There, there's a word in Hebrew, Ivray, that is like crossing over. And that's where you get the word Hebrew from. Abraham was the one who crossed over. He, he, some say the Euphrates, but he crossed over the Jordan into the land of promise. And those of us in Christ, I mean, we've, we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've crossed over with him. Sons and daughters of Abraham, hearts circumcised. And Abraham lived, when he went into the land of Canaan, the people there, what I'm saying is actually really important. I hope people get this. But the people there lived in these stone houses. They were, they were earthbound. They, they, were, they were living just totally connected to this earth and the pagan gods of this earth. And everything was very earthly and set in stone you see. But Abraham was living as a stranger among the peoples of the earth there. He was living in tents. He was just a pilgrim passing through. How many knows that that's how we're living? The people of this earth are so caught up with the things of this earth. They're just caught up with just earthly things. But we are living as though a heavenly people, we're living kind of in tents, so to speak. We're just passing through. We're not of this earth. We don't really belong here. See, Abraham didn't belong among those pagan people. He was different, and they all knew it. But yet God's hand was upon him. There was something on him. God put on him a blessing that was on him like a garment, and that blessing protected him. And the people saw it on him because everything was prosperous. Everything around him was blessed. Everywhere he would go, whatever he would do, Somehow, it would end up flourishing. The guy would go into a, a land that wasn't very nice, and next thing you know, green grass or crops start coming up. The, the cattle start multiplying. Everything prospered. People looking at it. How in the world did that happen? And they realize there's something on him. There's something about him that's different. And they kind of feared that. And God protected him. 
but he was living as a stranger in that land. I really feel that tonight in my spirit. As we read through the book of Revelation, we need to start realizing what Abraham said here. It says this, he said, by faith he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents. Everybody say in tents. With Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city. What was the city he was looking for? Look at this. Which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Think about that. Abraham had some kind of a divine revelation from God that he was living in a tent as a pilgrim and he was looking for the day that the new Jerusalem, heavenly city that was built by God himself would be on the earth and he was searching for that day, looking for that. Isn't that something? Abraham had some kind of a revelation of this. And it's said about when Abraham had Isaac and then we know Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Esau was the one that really grieved his parents because he married the heathen women and he built the stone houses and became basically a Canaanite. And it really grieved Isaac and Rebekah. Because why? He was no longer living in tents, separate, distinct from them, just a pilgrim passing through. He didn't carry that on. He wasn't like Abraham. He was a man of the world. But Jacob was like Abraham. Jacob didn't do that. And he went off and he ended up marrying Leah and Rachel, we know. And from him, the blessing came on him and the 12 tribes of Israel came from him. So the point of that is, we need to be living like Abraham. We're just passing through. Man, this is coming to me even as I'm talking. Remember the prophecy Steve Hill gave back in about 1996 or 97 in the Brownsville Revival. He said, keep your head up and your feet moving. The Lord says, I'm coming for a pilgrim people. Don't let your feet sink too deep down into the soil of this earth. Keep your head up and your feet moving. That's what he was talking about. We're just passing through. Spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking, we're just in a tent. Other people have got their their feet sunk down in the soil. They're all entrenched in the things of the world, caught up in the world system. They're more and more worldly, but God's calling us to be a pilgrim people that we're distinct from the world. People see something different about us. We're just passing through, and we're ultimately looking for that city whose maker and builder is God. The eternal dwelling of God with man forever. Isn't that awesome? So, Lord, I thank you for this tonight. Help us, Lord, to be a pilgrim people, that it's like we live as strangers in a foreign land. This is not really our home. We're just passing through. We're not going to get so caught up with the things of the world and, and the entertainment of the world. And, and it's not just about making money and all these things. We're, we're living with eternity in mind. Lord, we're living for eternal things, willing to lay down our lives for the gospel, looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. Lord, help us to be that type of Christian, Lord, that we're a heavenly people. We're like the bride ready to meet you in the air keeping ourselves unsoiled from the world. Lord, we thank you for it. Let this be sealed as we finish the book of Revelation. 
Lord, let it be sealed in our hearts forever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me know when everything is shut down back there. We're going to pray some for people tonight, but let me just say this.